This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 says this. Nehemiah 2 verse 1 says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him. He was the king's cupbearer. He tasted the wine to make sure there was no poison in the wine. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had been before time sad in his presence. I had not been before time sad. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? There is nothing else but sorrow of heart. And Nehemiah said, I was sore afraid. I was sore afraid because you've got to understand something. He was the king's cupbearer. And if he was sad, that was an indication there could be a conspiracy. They could be trying to poison the king. So Nehemiah could never look sad. He said, I'd never been sad in his presence. And he said, I was so afraid, so afraid. And I said unto the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lieth waste and the gates thereof, they're consumed with fire. He said, why wouldn't I be sad? I'm a Jew. Jerusalem is lying in ruins. Our walls are down. My people have no way to protect themselves. Why wouldn't I be sad? Then the king said unto me, what are you requesting? What, what are you wanting? He said, before I responded to the king, I prayed to the God of heaven. I prayed to the God of heaven. That's what we ought to do, folks. Before we respond, we ought to pray to the God of heaven. Many times we just respond when we ought to pray to the God of heaven. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Let us pray. Jesus, I pray that you will hide us in the cross of Calvary, that people might see you. I said, Lord, yesterday, I say today, I give you my voice, God. Would you give me words? <laughs> I give you my voice, but Lord, I need you to give me the words. I need you to give me the anointing. It's your anointing that breaks the yoke. It's your anointing that makes the difference. It's your hand of blessing, God, that transformation takes place. So Lord, I need your anointing more than I need anything else. And I pray this prayer with a grateful heart. For I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Until you come, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about you can make a difference. You can make a difference. A father and son were walking down the beach. It was a hot, blistering day. And the tide was washing in. And he was washing starfish in. And the little boy would pick up those starfish and he would throw them back into the ocean. The problem was there was hundreds of them. There was thousands. 
perhaps even hundreds of thousands of starfish. And the father said, son, I really don't think you can make a difference. And about that time, he picked up a starfish and he threw it in the ocean and said, I made a difference in that one's life. I made a difference in that one's life. Here's the thought, folks. Why don't we do for one what we wish we could do for everyone? Why don't we do for one what we wish we could do for everyone? Because if we do for one what we wish we could do for everyone, we will make a difference. And I want you to know, every person, ladies and gentlemen, can make a difference. Edward Hale said these words. He said, I'm only one, but still I'm one. I cannot do everything, but I can still do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. See, the Bible says in Philippians 4 and 13, I can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You say, I can never overcome that. Well, I want to say to you, you can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth you. When I became a Christian, I didn't know much about the Bible, but I read that verse, and it was my theme verse for many years. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And one day, I went out and got me a can. It's just a can. It's actually a Band-Aid can. It's just a can. It's just a metal can. And I put me, a, you can't see it, but I put me an eye on it. I've had this for decades. I put me an eye on it. It's a can. And I put me an eye on it. So guess what that makes it? And I can. <laughs> You're smart. The 930 group didn't get it. But anyway... It's an eye can. And every day, I look at my eye can. Every day, I open my desk. And as soon as I open it, there's my can. It's my eye can. The average 18-year-old is told 148,000 times, by the time they get 18, you can't. We need somebody saying, we can. I can do all things. Through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, now, get this, folks. I'm preaching today about a man by the name of Nehemiah. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't the son of a prophet. He wasn't, he wasn't a king. He wasn't ordained. He wasn't a pastor. He was just a cupbearer. He was just an ordinary person. But this is what I believe about God. God likes to take ordinary people and use them in extraordinary ways because that way he gets all the honor and all the glory. It's obvious that he did it. I want you to understand something. God took a guy that was just a cupbearer. Everybody said he's dispensable. If he dies, so be it. 
But God said, no, he's special. And I'll tell you what, you're special. You're special. God's got a special purpose for you. You're a special, unique individual that's created, ladies and gentlemen, in the image of God. In the image of God. And God doesn't create, God doesn't create people that are dispensable. He creates people for a special purpose. And God had a man by the name of Nehemiah who made a great difference. There's five things I want you to see. I'll hit them just as fast as I can. The first thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see the request of Nehemiah. The request of Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew that his homeland was in ruins. And he needed to go 900 miles from Persia to Jerusalem and rebuild that wall. But I want you to see something. The Bible says in verse 2 that he was sore afraid. He was sore afraid. Somebody said, if God wants you to do something, there won't be any fear. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just not true. I don't mean this wrong, but many times the, the giant steps that I've taken, I've literally been scared to death. I've literally been scared to death. But I'm like John Wayne. <laughs> I'm like John Wayne. Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. It's being scared to death and saddling up anyway. He said, the king said, what do you request? He said, I'll tell you what I did. I prayed to the God of heaven. This is what I've learned. When you kneel before the God of heaven, you can stand before any king on earth. <laughs> when you kneel before the God of heaven, you can stand before any king on earth. He said, I prayed. I studied it. He didn't pray a long prayer. But he'd been praying for four or five months. What is prayer without ceasing? It's constantly being in a spirit of prayer. It's walking up to this pulpit and saying, God, give me the words that people need. It's getting ready to meet with somebody and saying, God, show me what you want me to say to these people. God, you direct my lips. God, show me what you want me to do. God, tell me the decision you want to, me to make. It's moment by moment being sensitive to God's promptings. That's what praying without ceasing. D.L. Moody said, I never prayed any long prayers. But he said, I never went long without prayer. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see the request of Nehemiah. But there's something else I want you to see. I want you to see the response of the king. Nehemiah said, I go to the king and I ask the king, I, I, I need to go. I need to travel. It's a three-month journey. I need to go. And verse 6 says this. Verse 6 says, so it pleased the king to send me. It pleased the king to send me. Let me tell you something, folks. We have a king. We have a king. And we, know, we need to know the will of that king more than we need to know anything else. We have a king, and we need to know the will of that king more than we need to know anything else. He said, let me tell you something. 
I needed to know three things. First of all, I needed to know I'd been sent. I needed to know I'd been sent. 32 years ago, leaving my home, leaving a church of 300 people, being a young man, to come to Georgia to a church of 25 people. What makes you do something like that? I knew I'd been sent. I knew I'd been sent. It's when we know that God has sent us. I wish I could sing. I wish I could sing. I was singing last night at a place and the gentleman standing there, he said, it's obvious God called you to preach. <laughs> but if I could sing, I'd sing that old song that I heard decades ago. I came on business for the king. He told me to pray and he told me to sing. I can't just stand here and do my own thing because ladies and gentlemen, I came on business for the king. He needed to know that he had been sent. But I'll tell you something else he needed to know. He said, King, I need to know that I'm going to be safe. He said, King, it's a three-month journey, and I'm going to be traveling through countries <laughs> that don't want Jerusalem to be rebuilt. So he said in verse 7, he said, I'm going through some enemy territory, but if you would send your endorsement, if you, King, would send your endorsement, to these other kings, <laughs> I know I'd be safe. Let me tell you something, folks. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Even in the light of COVID, even in the light of everything going on, you and I are immortal until our work for God on earth is done. We are immortal until our work for God on earth is done. You said, Pastor Benny, you're on airplanes. You was on an airplane this week. Yes, I was. It was close to September 11th. Did you have any fear? Not one ounce of fear. And let me explain to you, ladies and gentlemen, if God wants me, he doesn't have to have an airplane to get me because we're immortal until God is finished with us. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Fear may visit you. Fear may visit you. But don't you allow fear to be a resident in your life. Because if God be for you, who can be against you? He said, I, I need to know that I'm going to be safe. He said, by the way, there's one other thing I need to know. I need to know that I'm going to be supplied. He said in verse 8, he said, King, when I get there, there's a keeper of the forest, ASAP. He's the keeper of the king's forest. And I'm going to need timbers. I, by the way, I've got to build some gates. But not only do I have to build some gates, I've got to build myself a house when I get there. And he said, I, I need to know that I'm going to be supplied. 
if I've signed a Bible or if I've signed a book for you, I sign my name and I sign Psalms 37 and 25 that says I've been young. When I first started writing that verse, I was. It says I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're a child of God, God would put the angels on rations if it took that to meet your need. God would bankrupt heaven if it took that to meet your need. Oh, folks, if it's God's vision, it's God's provision. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Where God guides, God provides, and where God leads, God succeeds. God's going to meet our need. So I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what this world's coming to. Hey, come up real close. <laughs> I'll tell you what this world's coming to. This world's coming to Jesus. You say, you don't know that. Yes, I do. Because the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, if it's God's plan, get this. If it's God's plan... You've got God's power. You've got God's protection. And you've got God's provision. I see the response. But there's a third thing I see. I see the resistance of some. They're starting to get the process going. But there's a couple guys in verse 10 by the name of Sanballat. And Tobiah, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. There is, listen, any time that God leads you to do something, there'll always be a reason why you can't, why you shouldn't, why you couldn't. There'll always be people. There will always be, any time that God leads you to do something, somebody says, oh, it'll be a clear path if God leads you. He didn't have a clear path. He had Sanballat and Tobiah. Anywhere there's opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, there's opposition. Barbara said one time, she said, it devastates me, the things that people say about you. I said, honey, aren't we glad they don't know all the truth? Preacher was preaching in a big way, had a little church, and he said, open them doors, open them wide. Let some old sinner come inside. <laughs> Two guys were out front laying bricks, and he said it again, open them doors, open them wide. Let some old sinner come inside. One of them old brick masons said, I about heard all that I want. He picked up a brick. He threw it right down the center aisle of that church. <laughs> it hit that old preacher. He was disembobulated. He was confused. He finally got his composure. <laughs> and he said, close those doors. Close them quick. Some old sinner done chucked a brick. <laughs> Anywhere there's opportunity to do something for God, 
There'll always be opposition. There'll always be why you can't. But keep on going for God. Keep on going for God. Oh, folks, most people, just the first ounce of discouragement comes. They're ready to throw in the towel and quit. No, stick in there. There'll be some resistance. Listen, if you don't, if you don't bump into the devil, you and him are going in the same direction. I was in a convenience store not long ago. I walked into the convenience store and I said to the lady behind the counter, do you go to church? She said, I'm hunting a church. I thought, oh, mercy. I thought the ground's right, amen. The water's at the right temperature. She said, I'm hunting a church. She said, I'm, I'm very upset with my church. I said, oh, is that right? She said, not going back. I said, well, I, you know, I understand. She said, I'm not going back. She said, uh, have you ever heard of Rock Springs Church? <laughs> she said, have you, have you ever heard of Benny Tate? I said, I've heard of him. I really have. I, 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 I. True story, true story, can't make this up. I said, I've heard of him. She said, he's the reason I'm not going back. I said, sis, what did he do? She said, well, he got up in that pulpit and told the people, don't call him. He didn't have time for him. He was busy and wasn't interested in the people in that church. I said, you gotta be kidding, he said that? She said, yes, he did. I said, I wouldn't go back either. I wouldn't go back either. She said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yes, well, you know, I really am. I said, I'm a preacher. I said, I love people. She said, you're the type of man I want to come to your church. I said, God bless you, sis. I'll see you soon. All right. You said, what, what about it, Brother Benny? Oh, I looked in her eyes. The wheel was turning, but the hamster was dead. Let's move on. The request of Nehemiah, the response of the king, the resistance of some. Now look, if I was a businessman, if I was a businessman or a businesswoman, as I get to this point, I'd pull out my, I'd pull out and I'd start writing. Because he's going to tell us the route to getting the wall built. He's going to, Pastor Benny's going to tell us how in 52 days. And by the way, get this folks, you get this. Leaders get this. The people were there before Nehemiah got there. But it took a leader to mobilize the people. It took a leader to cast the vision. It took a leader to create structure. The people were there. But it took a leader to make it a reality. And that leader was just a person like us. He wasn't some professional minister. He was just a normal lay member. What's the route to accomplishing anything great? First of all, he followed his heart. Look what verse 12 says. He said, had put it in my heart. 
Somebody said, Brother Benny, this is catching my eye. This is catching my eye. No, no. You don't need to focus on what's catching your eye. You need to focus on what's catching your heart. God's put something in your heart. God's given a vision in your heart. You say, well, I'm just a second grade teacher. Yes. And God's given you a vision for that class. I'm just a stay-at-home mom with the children. Yes. And God's giving you a heart and vision for your family. Don't you ever think, I'm just, I'm just. No, no, no. You're important to God. Whatever your role is, you're important to God. And God's put something in your heart. God's put a passion in your heart. Somebody will say to me sometimes, Preacher Benny, I feel like you need to go down and talk with Helen. Hey, wait. It sounds like God wants you to go down and talk to Helen because he's put it in your heart. He followed his heart. There's a second thing he did. He identified with the work. If you look at verse 17, you see we, <laughs> us, we. We, us, we. This is the greatest leadership principle I've ever learned. The greatest leadership principle I've ever learned in all my years of experience is monkey see, monkey do. We don't teach what we don't know and we don't lead where we don't go. What'd he do? He, he, he identified with the work. Let me tell you the third thing he did. He asked for their help. It's in verse 18. He asked for their help. The average church, this is documented, 10% of the people in the church are doing all the work. 10% are doing all the work. Many of the others' favorite song is I shall not be moved. The average church in America is a football game. You say, what do you mean it's a football game? You've got 90,000 people sitting in stands in desperate need of exercise. And 22 people on the field in desperate need of rest. I just described the average church. 10% are doing all the work. Now get this, pastors. 40% are not going to do anything. 40% are not going to do anything. You say, what's the good news? 50% are just waiting to be asked. He asked for their help. I'm asking for your help. I want every person in this church serving. I want every person in this church serving. Every person in this church ought to be serving. After what God's done for us and the significance that comes only through serving, there's a significance and fulfillment in your life, ladies and gentlemen, that won't come through any other way other than serving other people. Let me tell you the fourth thing, and I'm almost done. He encouraged the workers. He, verse 18, he, he said, strengthen their hands 
He encouraged the workers. He just encouraged them. All people respond to praises and raises. He just encouraged the workers. You know, I read this week that if you're a, if you're a boss, if you're a boss and you have employees, if you smile at your workers, it does as much to motivate them as a $5,000 race. If you just walk around and smile at your workers, it does as much to motivate them as a $5,000 race. Amber? The last thing that I'm done, I want you to see is the resilience of the workers. It's in verse 19. Verse 19 says, uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, they attracted a, a friend, Geshem. Critics always attract critics. And they started complaining. They started complaining. You know, you said, Pastor Benny, why didn't, why didn't he connect with Sanballat? Why didn't he connect with Tobiah? Because he knew his Bible. And he knew the Moabites and the Ammonites came out of incestual relationships between Lot and his daughters. And if you study your Bible in the book of Deuteronomy, God had told him, he told Israel, don't you seek their peace. Don't you try to reconcile with them. You just stay focused on what I want you to do. You stay focused on the goal. Here's what I would say to you today, folks. Don't get caught up with Geshem and Tobiah. Stay focused on the goal. Stay focused on me. You say, well, they're saying this. No, no, you're, you're caught up with Tobiah. You're, 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 you're caught up with Geshem. Don't, don't get caught up with all that. You stay focused on what God wants you to do. Well, I heard this. No, 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 no. You stay focused on what God wants you to do. That's what Nehemiah did in verse 20. He stayed focused on what God wanted him to do. The only reason men or women fail is divided focus. Stay focused on what God wants you to do. It's what I challenge you to do. Stay focused on God's purpose for your life. Florence Chadwick and I close with this story. Florence lived in 1852. She was a, a swimmer. And Florence made up her mind that she was going to swim from California to Catalina Island. It was a 26-mile swim. Florence was doing great. And a heavy fog set in. A heavy fog set in and Florence couldn't see the shore. And she said, I can't take it anymore. I can't do it. 
and she quit. They picked her up on a boat. And when she got in, they drove a half a mile and there was the shore. She said, if I'd known I'd been that close, but all I could see was the fog. You get this, folks. The enemy will show you all the fog around you. The enemy will show you all the fog around you. Don't, don't, don't get your eyes on the fog. You say, well, I wonder what they're saying about me. No, no, you've got your eyes on the fog. Wonder what they think about me. You've got your eyes on the fog. What about my past? You've got your eyes on the fog. I've been through relationships. You've got your eyes on the fog. Get your eyes off the fog. Get your eyes off the fog. Two months later, Florence attempted the same swim. She completed it. She said, there wasn't the fog. And when I got close, I just focused on the shore. I just focused on the shore. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on the shore. Don't get your focus on the fog. Folks, you you give up. You get disheartened. Don't get your focus on the fog. Get your focus on Jesus. C.S. Lewis said, the greatest service that we could ever be in was one that we were almost totally unaware of because our focus would have totally been upon Jesus. Totally been upon Jesus. Stay focused. This is my last verse, Hebrews 12. Look at this. This is an example for for every one of us. I'm done. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We started with him, let's end with him. We need to stay looking to Jesus. Now look, here's our example. Who for the joy that was set before him He endured the cross. He despised the shame. But now he's set down at the right hand of God because he stayed focused on the goal. The focus was on pleasing his heavenly father and doing what God had sent him here to do. And ladies and gentlemen, that's got to be our focus. That's got to be our goal. I want to please my heavenly father. I want to do what he sent me here to do. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.